Welcome to week two of Fearless Mom, our fall semester of 2016. We are giddy about this series in particular. We believe that this series where we are talking about arming our children with strength, but first starting with arming ourselves with strength, can literally be life-changing, not just for you, but for all of those who live around you. So I'm so thrilled that you guys are here. Just like always, we wanna take a second and welcome in our online moms. Online moms, whether you are watching us in a church, in your home, in your car, in a bathroom, in a closet, wherever you have found the time and space to watch or listen. We are thrilled that you are here with us today, and we want to welcome you in. Right, girls? You may be watching by yourself, but you are not alone. We're all in this parenting game together. And I say all the time that if you meet someone who says, you know what? I've got this parenting thing figured out. I've got the perfect recipe to raise perfect children. You need to stay away from her because she's a big liar, okay? We are all making it up as we go. We take in God's word. We filter it through our lives. We listen to God. We take his direction. But there's not a one of us who's got it all figured out. And online moms, we hope that that is encouraging to you. You are not alone. We are all in this game together. I'm excited to get started today, so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me for some supernatural focus. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time. I thank you for every family represented here and every family touched by a mom watching or listening online. God, we ask right now that you settle our hearts, settle our minds, Open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts so we can hear what you want to teach us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I am sometimes referred to in our family as Miss WCS. And that is short for worst case scenario. Because you give me any situation, circumstance, or environment, and I can tell you how hazardous or dangerous that circumstance, situation, or environment could possibly be. It doesn't matter what it is. I probably read an article on Facebook. I saw a special on 2020 or on Dateline, or I read something somewhere. But, you know, as moms, we know that everything presents danger. Everything can be hazardous. And without us, our children are in constant danger. They are so fortunate to have us around. Sometimes, though, my WCS nature can actually maybe get a little bit irrational. For instance, uh, you may have heard me tell this story before. Last year, you know, my daughter is a senior at the College of Charleston, and Charleston is on the coast. And Charleston floods every so often with big rains. So there was, they were predicting floods, so Emily got in her car and drove four hours into the mountains, safety 
with my parents. And so I was watching the news. I was getting texts from people. How's Emily? It looks like Charleston is having a really bad time. I'm like, she is safe. Actually, Emily was doing great. She and my mom were online shopping together. Um, Emily loves floods in Charleston. And so she was with her. Well, I kept watching the news. And, you know, Charleston was closed on Monday. Then it was closed on Tuesday. And so she was trying to determine when she was going to drive back to Charleston. Well, I'd been watching the news. And I saw on a road, there was so much rain that it was a sinkhole and the road caved in. So I knew, it was so obvious to me that if Emily got on the road on Wednesday, she would clearly fall into a sinkhole. It was so obvious to me. And so I said, Emily, you cannot get on the road. I saw a sinkhole in South Carolina. Now, mind you, it was on some back road in some small town, way far away. It didn't matter. I had to save her. You will fall into a sinkhole if you get in your car. So stay another day. She said, yes, ma'am, I'll stay another day. Fortunately, we were able to avert another family tragedy because I was so, you know, on top of things. Now, you can laugh at my situation, and yes, I was a bit irrational in that situation, but you and I both know that when the mom gear kicks into high gear, that we can so quickly become irrational because we are so fearful that when fear comes in, common sense goes out. Once fear enters the room, common sense goes out the window. You know exactly what I mean. Almost every mom has dealt with this. And the thing about fear is some of it is good. Some fear, the amount of fear can help us to avoid tragedy and, and hurt and harm. But if we're not careful, that fear creeps in and that caretaker and protector gear, that is great. We need to have that caretaker and protector gear. But when it becomes too much, it can actually inhibit and prevent our effective parenting. So what we have to learn to do is mom, as moms is to take that fear that all of us have, to take it, to filter it through wisdom, common sense, discernment, and then to fight through the fear knowing our vision at the end. It's knowing that vision. What's our goal as parents? It is raising independent, competent, strong adult children. Independent, competent, strong adult children. So what we have to do is we have to say, okay, I'm fearful of this. There is a sinkhole in the state somewhere randomly of South Carolina. And so now I'm going to take that fear. I'm going to filter it through wisdom, discernment, and common sense that God's Word gives me. I'm going to filter it through that. Then I'm going to keep in mind that vision of raising Competent, independent, strong adult children. That's how we get through because we established last week that God's desire, God's design for us is to walk with strength and dignity. Look at our verse. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. She is clothed with what? Oh, half of you know that verse. Let's try it again, second half. She is clothed with? Come on now. I, got, I know you got your mom pipes. I need to hear them. She is clothed with what? She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Moms, we know that we'll never really be totally without fear 
but we must learn to counter that fear with the strength. And we believe that the strength comes from filtering that fear through God's wisdom, discernment, and common sense, and then fighting through that fear to put into action your vision to raise a competent, independent, strong adult. So it's strength and dignity as opposed to fear and shame. Strength and dignity as opposed to fear and shame. Some of you may be saying, well, you don't know me. I'm just a fearful person. It's the way I'm wired. I've been that way my whole life. My mom's that way. My sister's that way. We're just fearful people. And so, you know what? We just have gotten used to it. And so I challenge you that God didn't design you to live in fear. God's desire is not for you to live, to wife, to parent out of fear. His design, we already saw a woman who walks clothed with strength and dignity. He, his desire for you is to parent in freedom with joy and hope and peace and to walk clothed with strength and dignity. And if that is his design for you, if that is his desire for you, then you can look to his word and he will help you get there. We believe that no matter how you're wired, no matter how you parented yesterday, no matter how you parented this morning, that this afternoon, tomorrow, it's a new day. And there are choices you can make and actions you can take to choose to implement strength into your life. There are choices you can make and actions you can take to listen to the fear, some of that fear we said, we're all caretakers and, and um, protectors, but we filter it through wisdom, discernment, and common sense. We fight through it sometimes because we know if I'm too caretaking and too protecting, then I can't inhibit my child's growth. Because studies show that this generation of young people are battling emotional fragility more than any generation in the past. College professors, I've quoted so many statistics and so many studies, they are all saying for some reason this generation is more emotionally fragile. It's our responsibility, moms, to look at that and say, okay, it is what it is, or maybe there's something I can do to give my child the emotional strength he or she needs. And so what we choose to do here is to say, okay, here's the game. The game is to figure out what we can do. Are there choices we can make and actions we can take to raise up a generation of emotionally strong, spiritually strong, relationally strong children who grow up into relationally, spiritually, and emotionally strong adults? That starts with knowing that you first have to become emotionally, relationally, and spiritually strong. Because as we said before, it takes someone strong to make someone strong. And we said before, you are clothed with strength and dignity. Why is that important? Because what you're wearing is what you're sharing. Now, there's no guilt here, no shame. If you start thinking, well, I've been so fearful. That's all my children have learned from me. Stop now. Today is a new day. Today is a new day, and I can assure you, nothing is wasted in God's economy. 
even our mistakes. He works all things together for good for those who believe in him and are called according to his purposes. So whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened this morning, today is a new day. Tomorrow is a new day. His desire is for you to walk with strength and dignity, and we want to help you get there. It's not because we do it perfectly, but because we believe passionately that if we're going to change the world, if we're going to raise a generation of emotionally strong kids, we got to figure out how to be emotionally strong ourselves. Are you ready to do it with me? Are you ready to become emotionally strong? Here's the deal. As we said in our studies about emotions and teaching children to deal with emotions, what we have to do is acknowledge our emotions. We have to identify, process, express, and overcome some of those emotions. So let's get on the same page and let's identify by defining fear. It's on page nine in your notes. If you're watching online, you can print them out. They're right there with the lecture. Fear is the feeling. Everybody say feeling. Fear is the feeling caused by the belief. Everybody say belief. If you have a pen, I want you to circle the word feeling and belief. The feeling caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, harmful, or unpleasant. And emotional, everybody say emotional circle that word, response to a perceived, everybody say perceived, an emotional response to a perceived threat. Fear is a feeling, a belief, an emotion, and a perception. We choose how we respond to that fear. Everyone deals with fear. Some true to a higher degree, Some people are more aware and they then deal with more fear. We all have it. We all have the choice of how we're going to respond to that fear. And we believe that there are three things that you can put into your tool belt. There are three things that you must understand, grasp, and embrace so that you can Filter the fear and fight through the fear to put into action what you need to parent your child to have emotional strength. First, by acknowledging what you are dealing with yourself. So finding strength. The first thing you need to have is honesty. The first thing you need to find is honesty. And this is sometimes scary because it starts with being totally honest with yourself. It starts with praying, God, Help me see things as they really are. Help me see myself as I really am, not just the way I want to be. That actually causes fear in me sometimes because I'm afraid God's going to reveal something in me that I need to change. And maybe I just don't have it in me to make the changes I need to make right now. But this is why we're here. We want to encourage you to go ahead Take a moment and say, God, I want to see things as they really are. Because if you're going to grow, if you're going to get better, if you're going to get stronger, because we want our children to grow, get better, and get stronger, then you first have to see things as they really are. And that takes tremendous bravery and tremendous courage. But if you know moms who walk with strength and dignity, and I mean the real kind, not just the kind they can put on to be in front of people, there's an ease about those people. There's an ease about her faith about her face, then she has taken an honest look at her life. Because here's the deal about fearless mom. We say all the time, we don't have it all figured out. 
So you've got to enter this honesty stage by saying, I don't have it all figured out, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So you must be completely honest. Proverbs 2, 7, he grants treasure of common sense, which we know we need to counter the fear. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Honest people with integrity are protected, are protected by him. And you, are gain, you gain common sense from him. We know we need it, so you must start by being honest. Again, this is the place to be honest. Be honest with yourself. And if you need to talk to someone, find someone to talk to. But honesty is most important. Second, humility. I think these two go hand in hand. You honestly look at yourself, and then with humility, you say, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't be perfect. I will never be perfect. And that's how, you know, I'll have a mom going, I just want to do this well. I just want to do it perfectly. I'm like, oh, honey, you're going to be disappointed before breakfast. Uh, There's no way to do it perfectly. If you said perfection is the goal, then you are disappointed, certainly by lunch, but probably before breakfast. And so here's the deal. You enter it with the honesty and humility. Humility is not a permission slip to quit trying. Humility is not a permission slip to quit trying to get better and to get stronger. Humility says, I will never be perfect, but I will never quit trying. Humility says, I can't do this by myself. I need friends to help me. I need God to help me. I don't have the strength within me. I need some supernatural force to keep me from doing something I don't want to do to my teenager right now or to this toddler who keeps sassing me. Wherever you are, you need God's strength. You need God's joy. You need his patience. You need his love. You won't find it within yourself. And that requires humility, looking at it honestly, looking at it with humility. But then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to hang on to this last word for a long time because I believe that this may be one of the primary reasons that this generation is so emotionally fragile. So you need honesty, you need humility, and third, responsibility. You have to embrace responsibility. It's our second value. Embrace responsibility. Everybody say embrace. Embrace. That means taking the bull by the horns. That's not like a little gentle hug. That's like embracing it, gritting your teeth, and saying, I've been given this responsibility. I will do everything within my power and the power given to me by God to embrace this responsibility. Oh, man, you know what? I missed the verse for humility. Proverbs 11, 2, back up, pretend I haven't said responsibility yet. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. What do we say? One of the most important things as a mom is when countering that fear, you have to filter it through wisdom, discernment, and common sense. And right here we see in Proverbs, the humility comes, with humility comes wisdom. Now go back to responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. I will never parent perfectly. I will never parent perfectly, and I have news for you. Neither will you. You will not parent perfectly. But when you embrace the responsibility, you say, even though I can't do this perfectly, I will do it with every fiber of my being. 
I will not quit. And you may have two children, and you have figured it out, and I mean, you're like, okay, I've hit a rhythm, this is great, and then you have a third child. And you go, hey, what? Um, this one does not act like the first two. This one is different. You know what? God's sense of humor. Perhaps you didn't have enough humility. <laughs> and he wanted to give you an extra dose. He wanted to give you more opportunity to implement that humility. When you're a people pleaser like myself, and you have a child who is not a people pleaser, and so perhaps um, your first one, like Emily, my first one, she doesn't have a people pleasing bone in her body. And so I would walk up to church with Emily and, um, you know, we're in the grocery store with Emily and we're talking and Joseph's a baby and someone comes up to Emily and says, is this your baby brother? And she says, don't touch him. <laughs> and glares. At I'm like, oh, she's so protective. <laughs> oh, she just loves him so much, you know. So then we would go places, you know, I'm trying to teach her to interact with strangers, you know, in a healthy way. She's with me. It's safe, blah, blah, blah. And Emily had really fair skin and dark, dark eyes, real big eyes. And so it was really obvious when she glared at people. And she did it a lot. And so we would walk in and somebody would say, hey, Emily, church, you know. Oh, I mean, you want to talk about a challenge when you have a child like that. Okay, this is what she would do. I mean, like, like glare. I don't mean like, <laughs> I mean like glare. Stare a hole through. Now, if it was her idea to talk to you, then she was all into that conversation. But if you talked to her first, and she wasn't up for the convo at the time, then she would just stare a hole through. When Emily started kindergarten, um, my mom said, um, Julie, um, how are you going to let them know about her? My mom had been a kindergarten teacher for 20 years. I said, Mom, what do you mean? She goes, Julie, um, I, I feel like you should let them know about her. And uh, this was my same mom who, um, when Emily was eight months old, said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and buy you that copy of The Strong-Willed Child. Uh -huh, she mailed it to me. Now, that was so encouraging. And then when Emily was three, she said, I probably won't be visiting when she's a teenager. I probably won't. So then Emily is in kindergarten, and so I go up to, you know, volunteer at the school, and all the moms. So you're Emily's mom. And I just think, maybe. <laughs> Which Emily? You know, one time I had a mom say to me, because Emily would ask them, like, and it would always be like moms who only had boys, who didn't have a girl. And Emily would say this, oh, I love those boots. Do they have those in a girl size? And how much did they cost? Are they less for children? Yeah. And that one mom said to me one time, you're Emily's mom? Because I was in gym shorts and a t-shirt. She said, you don't look, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. So when you are a people pleaser and you have a child who is not a people pleaser, that's a humbling thing. But guess what? My responsibility was to raise Emily to be an independent, competent, strong adult. I didn't have that strength within me. There were days when I was sobbing, going, I took behavior management, my degree is special ed, I have had classes simply, uh, simply on managing the behavior of the strongest children, and I don't know what I'm doing here. And so I would rally my friends, I would talk to Mac, and I would say, God, I obviously need your help. But I never quit. And if you have a strong-willed blessing, 
You may be thinking, there is no consequence greater than his will. You're right. But your responsibility is to keep giving those consequences over and over and over. I will tell you this, Emily was a joy as a teenager. We absolutely loved it. Somebody told me early in her life, Julie, if you will put everything you have in the parenting at ages two, three, four, five, it will make a huge difference when she's 12, 13, 14, 15. And so fortunately for us, somebody had said that. And so we were very intentional, very deliberate about those younger ages, knowing that we would reap the benefits later. Now, some of you may think, well, I wish somebody had told me that. But now my children are 13, 14, and 15. It's never too late. It's never too late to embrace the responsibility. Perhaps your family is at the stage where you need to say to your children, you know what, um, I'd like to talk to you. We've done it um, one way for a lot of years, but dad and I have now figured out that God says you, we are the authority, and it's actually better for you if we embrace that authority and embrace that responsibility. And so um, we're going to put some new plans into action in our house. Have the conversation and then move forward. Embrace the responsibility. It's a big deal. Now, as moms, we have to take full responsibility for the choices we make and the actions we can take. You and I both know that irrational fear creeps in, and we allow that to distract from, to take away from, to inhibit parenting toward that vision of competent, independent, strong adults. So what do we have to do? We have to be honest, we have to be humble, we have to take responsibility. I'm going to list for you some choices that you can make that will help you. They're going to sound a little ridiculous, a little obvious, but I'm telling you, this is where we have to start with assuming responsibility. Because as moms, we've said, when that caretaker and protector gear kicks into high gear, we become irrational. Now let's layer in there a lack of sleep. Now let's layer in there a diet of goldfish and gummy bears. Now let's layer in there hormones. Oh yeah, that's a perfect recipe for common sense, isn't it? Yeah, we have to be intentional. We have to be strategic. Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? No, are you sleeping? You're looking at me like, wouldn't that be nice? It's your job. You figure out when you can sleep. And yes, there are seasons that are, you know, sleep deprived for sure. But if you find yourself being riddled with fear and you're inhibited by that fear, then first ask, am I sleeping? Hey, I got news for you. You don't have to shower every day. I mean, I remember thinking when I had my second, oh, to shave my legs. What a luxury that would be, you know. I'm okay not going to a restaurant. I just wanted to shave my legs. But we have to choose. Sometimes I chose sleep. And then I choose, I take responsibility for what I'm eating. Am I eating a diet of goldfish and gummy bears? That's not enough. That's not feeding your soul and your brain. You've got to eat well. So am I sleeping? Am I eating? Make those choices. Take responsibility for those choices. And yes, it's more intentional. But if your goal is finding strength and you know it's connected, then you're going to want to do it. You're going to decide that it's worth it. So sleep and eating and exercising, moving. Maybe exercising for you is carrying the laundry around the house. 
Go ahead, run while you're doing the laundry. Put on your little Fitbit thing. I bet I can get 10 times as many steps doing this laundry today. You know, run around the kitchen table, have a dance party, whatever you need to do to get movement in your body. And then what are you reading and what are you watching? What are you reading and what are you watching? Be intentional about what you're absorbing, not just what you're digesting physically, but what you're digesting cognitively. Be intentional about that. And then who are your friends? What, what's the chatter you're listening to? Are you listening to other people who are in the same stage going, yes, this is hard. Yes, this is terrible. I also have a teenager. We don't like each other either. And then it just becomes, that's why at Fearless Mom, what we try to do is we get you around other generations. If you are stuck in toddler world and potty training is about to, you know, make you pull your hair out, then you need to get around moms of teenagers or moms of newborns or empty nesters or someone who has grandchildren. Get another perspective. Change your perspective. And so, what are you sleeping? Are you eating well? Um, what did I say? Uh, are you moving? Are you, funny, I skipped the exercise one. I'm sure that was just an oversight. Um, what are you reading? What are you watching? And who are you hanging around? What's the chatter? If I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to be humble, if I'm going to take responsibility, then I take responsibility for the choices. This is vocabulary that we need to start using with our children at the earliest ages. The word choose and the word choice. Teaching responsibility to our children is one of the most important things that we will teach them. As your children begin to walk and begin to talk, even as they begin to I had a mom one time say, uh, you know, my one-year-old, should I discipline him for this, like for reaching at a light socket? Should I discipline him for that? I go, well, do you want him to continue reaching for the light socket? No, I don't. Then yes, you need to intervene because he's not going to intuitively figure out, one day I'm going to quit reaching for that light socket. That's our responsibility. And so I have to give consequences and say no. I use the words bad choice, bad choice, or not a good choice, or you chose to do this. We use that vocabulary. We're empowering our children to assume responsibility for their choices. And so use the words as early as you can. Choose, choice, responsibility. Not only are we doing it with ourselves, but our job, our responsibility is to teach it to our children. Use those words. Philippians 4.13 says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Who gives me what? Oh, what do you know? Just what we're looking for. For I can do, everybody say do. That means that we're working. That means that we're doing the work necessary. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do it. I can't do it. I can't. I'm like the little engine that could. Some days as a mom, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this with a smile. I can do this. I can. I can do it. One more day. One day at a time. I can do it till nap time. I can do it till bedtime. I can do it. Summer's almost here. What? I can do it. I can do it. But I'm working. I'm not just assuming it's going to take care of itself. I'm doing the work. You're not parent. 
I mean, you're not perfect. You will never parent perfectly, but you can choose to do the work. You choose courage. You choose to filter the fear through wisdom, discernment, and common sense. That's your choice. If you need outside help, and some of us do, and we encourage outside help. If you need to talk to a counselor, I'm so fearful that I feel paralyzed. I believe fear is inhibiting my marriage growth and my parenting growth. Then get help. Be honest. Be humble. Say, I need help. Take responsibility. Get help now. It doesn't get better on its own. Sometimes we need outside help, and that's okay. That's okay. Take responsibility. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. That's from Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I can't tell you the number of times in my marriage, in my ministry, in my home where I felt powerless where I needed extra strength. And so that came from gathering with other people who were cheering me on. That came sometimes from, I need to sleep all the way through the night tonight. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm okay not showering for the fifth day in a row. I'll put on my workout clothes. Everybody will think I went to exercise. I'll be awesome. And, but I know I will take responsibility for what I can control. It's something we teach our children. You can't control your circumstances. Circumstances, though, are just that. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. Circumstances, circumference, it's what surrounds you. What I can control is how I respond to my circumstance. There's the word responsibility, how I respond. I take responsibility for my response. And then I have a choice. I have a choice how I'm going to respond to this circumstance. You see the key words there? I'm going to do the work because I choose to assume the responsibility, to embrace the responsibility. It's a big deal. And moms, you're thinking, well, I need to teach this to my children. You know, the best way to teach it to your kids is to do it. You've heard me say before, we're like a fountain. Moms, we're like a fountain. And our children are drinking our overflow. So my question is, what are you spewing? Sometimes my fountain's like this. There, there's nothing coming out. I have nothing to give. And that's when he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I trust that God is going to give me what I need. But I embrace the responsibility and I do the work. And I make the choices that I need to make. Take a step back. Am I eating right? Am I sleeping? It, it's little things that make a big difference. When I began to do that, I'm now going to, it's going to be my overflow. I'm going to teach my kids that. We have such a culture in this country of no responsibility. I believe part of it is our lawsuit-happy culture. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's responsibility. And so what we want to teach is you take responsibility for what's in your home. You are responsible for how you respond to the circumstances. And I want to um, focus on Isaiah 40, 31 for a minute. But those who trust, everybody say trust. Say trust. It's an important word, trust. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Oh, there it is again. What do you know? They will soar high on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. This is the New Living Translation. I wanted to find trust. It was on your first notes last week. I wrote it down again in mine. A firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or strength of someone or something. I have a firm belief that God is going to take care of me, that God has me and my children and my husband, my family, my ministry, whatever, in the palm of his hand. Maybe your belief is not there yet. I'm going to encourage you to investigate that belief, to say, what does it look like if I do say a sovereign God is in control? And now I'm going to put my trust in him to find that strength that I need. Another version says, those that wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Another version, which I think may be one of my favorite versions. I hate to say I have a favorite, but those that hope in the Lord. Hope means waiting and working expectantly. When you have hope as a mom, when I have hope, that means I believe that there are choices I can make and actions I can take to make things better. I believe that God is going to stand in the gap where I fall short. I believe that if he gave me these children, he's going to give me what I need to parent them, to grow up, to be independent, competent, strong adults. I have a firm belief in that. I don't always feel it. I don't always feel it. As a matter of fact, I think, that fear sometimes takes away or interferes with that belief. And so I have to go back. There's a reason I've memorized this verse. I memorized this verse and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. I like to understand everything. I like to know what's happening. I like to know where we're going. I like to know what's around the corner. But I can't always. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek him first in all you do, and he will tell you which path to take. Oh, I've memorized that because when I'm feeling fearful, when I feel that emotion of fear, I have a choice. I can parent out of that fear, and I can wrap my kids in bubble wrap and not let them go out of the house. And you will never, you know, talk to anyone because everybody's bad. I read that on the internet. And you will never get on the computer because it's all bad. And social media is horrible. And I'm so afraid. Stay in this house. You'll be safe with me because I love you and I'm a caretaker and I'm a protector. When that becomes irrational, then my responsibility is to say, God, help me see it honestly. Help me look at it with humility. Help me take responsibility. And I take that fear and I filter it through his scripture, wisdom, discernment, and common sense. Then I find the strength to fight through that fear and to parent in spite of that fear because of the vision that he's given me for independent, competent adult children who are emotionally strong. And I've got to find that strength before I can teach that strength. I've got to find that wisdom before I can teach that wisdom. I've got to make those choices before I can teach those choices. I've got to take responsibility before I teach responsibility. So I would encourage you to memorize those voices, to memorize those verses. Trust in the Lord. Trust Him that He will fill in the gap. You do your best. Let God do the rest. You do the work. You accept the responsibility. Don't panic. He will fill in the gaps. You do your best. Let God do the rest. You do the natural. 
Allow him to do the supernatural. He never expected you to be Wonder Woman, not what he designed you to be, but he did design you to be a woman who is clothed with strength and dignity. And that is where we find our ease. It is not in seeking perfection. It's in seeking his desire for the role I'm supposed to play. And you wait and you work expectantly. Those who trust in the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will find new strength. And I love that. I think it speaks directly to mothers. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So many seasons of my parenting journey, I have felt weary. I have felt faint. And I needed to soar, maybe out of the house for a little bit. I needed to soar like an eagle because I didn't feel like it. Fear is a feeling, an emotion. And so everybody has it, but everybody also has a choice of how you respond to it. I'm so excited for the next few weeks because not only are we going to talk about how to teach our children emotional strength. We're going to talk more about how to get it ourselves. So today was finding strength, and next week we'll talk about keeping it because you know it's a constant struggle. But God's design and desire is for us to parent with confidence, for us to partner with him to raise a generation of leaders and not followers. So make sure as you go throughout your week this week that you're saying, God, help me to see things as they really are. God, I know I need help doing this. And then I take full responsibility for the choices that I make to filter the fear and to fight through the fear. Together, guys, we can do this. We can raise a generation of emotionally strong children. We can reverse the trends. We can, I want to shock the college professors. I want college professors 10 years from now to be saying, I'm not sure what happened. But all of a sudden, we started having kids who were emotionally strong, relationally strong. That's our job. We can do it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your calling on mothers God, I thank you for the moms who, who are leaning in, who want to look honestly, who are being brave and saying, I'm afraid, but I know, God, that you have us in the palm of your hand. Hover over each mom represented online, represented here in our audience. God, we are grateful that you are our source of strength that you are our source of wisdom, discernment, and common sense. We thank you that we can gather and cheer each other on. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen.